0: The book of Genesis chapter 22, preaching through this series is the last day that we will be in this series on Jesus is better. I'm going to be starting a new series next week called Vanity after, um, in the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, So after this series, we're going to start on Vanity and um, we'll take a couple weeks in that. Uh, book there to be able to look at some some things, I would encourage you that uh, when there are some people that uh, when we worship the Lord, some will close their eyes, some will lift their hands, some will weep, but all are worshiping. Don't get so. Don't get so caught up in. Well, what will somebody think if I say amen or hallelujah or praise God? Now, we're not talking about foolishness. but the Bible does tell us that we are to worship our God in spirit and in truth. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. This church, we know truth. We've had truth for 60-some years here preached from the pulpit. But every once in a while, we just, we are conservative. And so, therefore, if... Somebody does something or says something, or everybody. (laughs) (laughs) You know. Now again, I'm not. I'm not saying. Look, if you're just trying to get attention from yourself, that's pride. If it's self-motivated, it's sin. But if your heart wells up inside of you and you're just saying, "Yeah, thank God for who he is, and I have no other way to express it except for raising my hands and saying, Jesus, thank you for who you are, okay? Then that's right motivation. Because last time I checked, for those of us who know Christ, when we're around the throne in the book of Revelation... I don't think it's going to be bless you, Lord, bless you. You are worthy of all praise and honor. And I'm not saying that those who may be more reserved, that that may be okay for them. But I can't help but think that when we're in the presence of God, that we are going to be flat down on our faces with hands raised and saying, God, thank you. Thank you that you were the the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. Thank you for your blood that has cleansed me from all sin. Thank you for being a great and marvelous God. I just don't want us to be a church that if somebody gets excited about something that we go like I just did. Enough said. Genesis chapter 22. How to pass a test. You say, Pastor, I wish you would have told me this two weeks ago. (laughs) My kids had a final exam, you know. Chapter 22, verse 1 through 14, if you would. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. And he said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thy only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I will, I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son. God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon thy lad, neither do thou anything unto him, for now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his thorns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh, as it is said to this day. In the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. I want you to think about something here before we go to prayer. The Bible says that the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, Here am I, and he said unto him, Lay not thine hand upon thy lad, neither do anything unto him, for now I know that thou fearest God. That next phrase The angel says, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. Abraham did not withhold his son from God and it showed his faith in God. He said, okay. You know what we could say? We could call out to God and say, God, God, I know that you love me with an eternal love because you have not withheld your son, your only son, to die on the cross for me. The angel called out to Abraham and commended Abraham for his faith and love towards God. We can call out to God and thank him and praise him because he didn't withheld He did not withhold the Lord Jesus Christ from us. Father, we thank you for this time, and I pray that you would use me this morning. I pray that your word would go forth with power. I pray, dear God, that you would help me mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. You know what I need. You know uh, where my physical limitations are, my mental and emotional and spiritual limitations are. You know my mental capacity. You know my vocabulary. And so, Father, I pray that your grace would work in and through me, and that I would be able to express to your people what you would have. And, Father, I pray for these your people. This is not my church. This is your church. These are not my people. These are your people. I'm just a spokesman. And so, Father, I pray that you would meet their needs. I can't meet their needs. I don't know what they're going through uh, internally. I, I don't know how to meet some of their emotional needs and uh, some of their spiritual needs. All that I can do, Father, is point them back to you. You've got to do the work. It's your Holy Spirit that must come and do the work and lead and guide and comfort them in whatever they're going through. I can't. I'm a human being just like they are, but God, you're the God of all eternity. You are the God of all strength. You are the great physician. You are the rock. You are our fortress. You are our shelter. You are our hiding place. We can hide underneath the wings of hope. We can uh, cling to you in the the darkest of night. We can uh, have refuge in you when we have the greatest of storms. And Father, you can do all that. A man can't do that. And so, Father, we need you to do the work in the lives of your people father i can't save anybody but there may be here one this morning that does not know you father that's the work of the holy spirit and father we ask as 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 i prayed this morning that if there would be those here this morning that do not know you that god that your holy spirit power would be so heavy upon their heart conviction would be so great upon them that they would bow their knee and ask you to be their savior. We thank you for your goodness to us, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I read a story about a young man who was taking a class, he was, and the class was about the study of birds. And the teacher that he was studying underneath was known to be extremely difficult. You know, the one that everybody tries to avoid. You know, you're in college and you hear about that one teacher. You're like, if you can get somebody else to teach that class, if it'll work in your schedule, make sure you don't get Mr. So-and-so or Miss So-and-so. You don't want that teacher. And this is the type of teacher that that this man had. And like I said, they had a, a reputation for being very difficult. And this young man, I mean, he studied his brains out. I mean, he had been preparing and preparing and preparing. And he goes to class feeling prepared. He's, he's pretty psyched about it. And he's like, okay, I, I think I, I got this. You know, I'm going to be one of the very few that will pass this test with this teacher. And, but instead, when he got to the class, instead of having a normal class, there were 25 pictures of birds' feet posted on the wall. And the test was that he was supposed to identify the birds by their feet. The young man looks at the teacher and said, This is nuts. This is crazy. Nobody could pass this test. No, th- th- this is just not right. The teacher says, Nevertheless, you have to take the test. The kid says, I'm not going to take the test. The teacher says, You have to take it or you fail. The kid says, go ahead, fail me. I don't care, I'm not taking the test. The teacher says, all right, that's it, you fail. Tell me your name. The young man rolls his pants up to his knees and said, you tell me. (laughs) Some of you will get that a little bit later. (laughs) When you look at a test like that, it seems to have no purpose, right? Like, what's the point? What is this guy, a hard nose, you know, just really trying to stick at the people? I was going to pull my pants up, but I didn't want all the ladies to go crazy and see my hairy calves, you know, just trying to help keep marriages together here, folks. <laughs> but a test like that, it doesn't have any purpose. You ever, you ever gone maybe to a class and you're like, what is the point of this? I remember having blue book tests, you know, in college, and here's your blue book, and fill it up. You know, they got one question, and it's, yeah, oh, come on. Tell me everything you know about whatever. And testing like that that doesn't have purpose, it, it, it's futile. It doesn't seem like it's worth anything. And it's kind of discouraging. And you're like, why am I wasting my time? Why did I have to go through this? This was a total waste of time. You know what I find sometimes if we're not careful? We feel the same way about when God tests us. Why am I going through this? I've just wasted my time. Let me tell you something. God's tests always have a purpose. God's tests always have a purpose. See, if you don't find the purpose in it, it's not God's fault. Sometimes the reason that we don't see a purpose in the test is because we're not paying attention. And see, since testing has purpose, then we need to know how to pass the test. Because listen, all of us are going to be tested. You might be going through a test right now. You might call it what you call it is called man, this is life is difficult right now. Life is challenging. Man, I got, or you might call it obstacles or whatever, whatever word you want to put in there. But let me tell you, it's a test. And in order to pass the test and to gain the benefits of testing, you got to know, well, how am I going to pass the test? And, 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 and how am I going to understand this test? And that will help us when life gets difficult. Say, how am I going to pass the test? Take a look at verse one, if you will, please. Number one, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. You must expect to be tested. You must expect to be tested. I always enjoyed the college classes where, where uh, you um, knew that the teacher was easy and, and there's you've, you've heard down throughout the ages that, oh, man, it's this, this just easy. And, and a lot of times, come final time, there's... No test, he'll just give everybody an A or whatever because you just showed up, you know. And uh, man, I I like that. And so you really didn't prepare for anything. But you know, when it comes to life, you have to expect to be tested. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 22 and verse one, it said, said, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. I want you to turn to James chapter one because when we hear that word tempt, we think the word tempt in our modern day minds, we think of evil, don't we? That God tempted Abraham. Whoa, whoa, wait a second. But I want you to take a look in James chapter one because that's not what the Bible is saying. The Bible is not saying that God tempted Abraham with evil. As a matter of fact, the Bible teaches exactly opposite about God. God does not tempt man with evil. Now I can tell you who does tempt man with evil. It's not God. There are three things that will tempt you with evil. The world, the flesh, and the devil, according to 1 John. There are the three things that will tempt you with evil, but God does not tempt us with evil. Take a look at James chapter 1, verse 13. Let no man say when he is tempted. Okay, now I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but all of you were tempted this past week multiple times. Multiple times. And we don't need to get into the particulars of what you were tempted on, because if so, we would be here for the rest of our lives telling everybody about, oh yeah, oh man, that's pretty bad, pretty embarrassing. So let no man say when he is tempted that he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. So here, here you go, look, not only, not only does God not tempt any man, but God can't be tempted to do evil or to tempt you to do evil. That's a wonderful thing. What does he say? But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. What this word tempt means is to test. It's to, it's to put to the test in order to know the nature of something. God was testing the faith of Abraham to show Abraham the nature of his faith. So, well, okay, well, what does that mean for me? Well, when, when we're tested, you know what we're being tested many times on? To show or to know how strong our faith is. Sometimes we're tested to show us not only how strong our faith is. Aren't there some times in your life, man, where, where you are tested in an area and you come through with flying colors? I mean, you ace that one. I, I mean, it, you know, sometimes you, you've been growing in the things of God and, and man, there's a confrontation that you have with somebody and man, you handle it with the utmost Grace. I mean, you don't yell at that person. You don't, you don't get upset with them. You just handle it with the utmost grace. And you're like, man, it was a test, and I passed the test. And you're like, thank God for that. Because most of the time, I would give you a piece of my mind. I want to reach out and touch somebody, you know? <laughs> and you're like, thank God for his grace. You, you see there, at that time, your faith what? It was strong, wasn't it? It, 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 was, it was able to handle... The test. But then sometimes God tests us to show us not only how strong our faith is, but how unstable our faith is. Our faith, many times, is just like water. It is unstable. You say, how do you know that? Remember in the scriptures where uh, Cornelius, I believe it was, not, not Cornelius, one of the men said, I can't think off the top of my head, but this is what he said. He said, Lord, I believe, Jarius's daughter, it was Jarius. Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Sometimes our faith is unstable. And so the test shows us how unstable our faith is. You say, well, why would God want to show us that? Because it shows us that we need to be more dependent upon him. Because listen, in and of ourselves, listen, every single one of us in here, we want to be independent of God. I should have got a rousing amens, even though you'd be condemning yourself on that. But it's the truth. We want to be independent of God. We don't want to be dependent on God. Why don't we want to be dependent? Because how many of you in here like feeling helpless? Talk to older folks that are going through the progression of of life, and now they're saying, look, I remember when my dad had to sit down with my grandfather and say, Dad, uh, we gotta take your license. My grandfather said, look son, if I promise you I will not drive, can I just keep my license? My dad said, sure dad, as long as you won't drive. And he never did. You know what he was saying? I just want to feel independent. And sometimes testing shows us the uh, the instability or how how unstable our faith is, so that we'll run to the Lord. And then other times, testing shows us how weak our faith is. What does Jesus say to the disciples on the storm after He comes? Oh, ye of little faith! You know what that makes us do? Say, God, I need you. I need more of you. Not only do I need to be dependent upon you, but you have to be the source to strengthen my faith. See, I'm not talking about faith for faith's sake. Faith needs to have an object, and the object of our faith is the Lord Jesus Christ. We just don't believe to believe. There's a lot of people that just have faith in in faith, you know, but we have an object for our faith and, and it points us back to, to the Lord Jesus Christ when we're tested and it shows us how weak our faith is and we must know when we're lacking faith. And you know, though we don't like going through these times of testing, this is all part of the Christian life. I don't know about you, but I'm just gonna be transparent with you. Let me, let me just tell you, I wish the Christian life were sparkles, rainbows and unicorns all, to, all the time, you know? Just always happy. You know, just, man, I'm enjoying God. God's enjoying me. I have his favor upon my life. I know that he loves me. I can sense his presence. I just wish it was like that all the time. Um, That's called heaven. And testing, it makes us long for heaven. And with that said, I want you to understand that you must expect to be tested. And we need to know the nature of our faith. So if you know the nature of your faith, you say, okay, these are the different areas. When when God tests me, he's trying to show me something. This is part of the purpose for the test. I I want you to understand the purpose. If you don't understand the purpose, you're going to say, it's useless. So what is one of the things that God's trying to do for us? This is what he's doing for us, and he's doing to us. And what is that? He's trying to help strengthen our faith. What does that do when you say, okay, well, my, strength is faith, my, my, my faith is strengthened, so what does that do for me? You know what that does? That will conform you more into the image of his son. Because you know what starts to happen? When you have more faith in God, what starts to happen is you will begin to say, not my will, Lord, but thine be done. Why? Because you've gone through the test and you've seen God when you've had strong faith and he brought you through. You've seen God when you've had uh, unstable faith and he's brought you through. You've seen God when you've had weak faith and he's brought you through. You've seen God when you've had lacking faith and he's brought you through. And now you can say, wait a second, he brought me through all those tests and, and now I can trust him even more. And see, when we're tested... You need to understand letter A. There's preparation for the test. One of the most demoralizing things, at least for me, I hated it. I really did. Of school life is when a teacher decided to give you not a pop quiz, but a pop test. I mean, that is really demoralizing. I mean, if you care about your education... It's demoralizing. If you don't care about your education, you're like, hey, you know, oh, well, here goes another one. F for fantastic, you know, it's just, put them in your locker, you know, you're like, hey, look at this, I got a streak going, you know. But if you care about your education and your future, it can really take the wind out of your sails. You say, why is that? Because if you would have known, you would have been what? Prepared. You would have been prepared for the test. If you really cared. And see, when it comes to the testing of God in our life, God never gives pop tests. So what do you mean? He's always preparing us for the next one. So how do you know this? It's visible in the life of Abraham. Though each of us goes through a different preparation. Now listen, all of us go through different preparation processes. You want to know why? Because all of us have different backgrounds. All of us come from different, different makeups. We, we, we're not the same. We're not, you know, every single person in here is individual. You know, I look across this auditorium and what I see is, man, a couple hundred different individuals. That's great. I mean, think about it. If everybody was like you. Well, some of you are like, yeah, that would be really good. <laughs> no, it wouldn't. You know, We'll just talk to your wife or husband afterwards, and they'll tell us, it wouldn't. You know? And so our preparation process might be different, but we all are prepared by God for the next test. It's the principle of God preparing us for the test. How about this? You can just write it down inside the side. Genesis 12. One of the Abraham's first tests. He was tested to leave the land. If you're not familiar with the Bible and you're coming here, I'm glad that you're here. You say, well, I really don't know much about the Bible. This is exactly where you should be. Listen, folks of Open Bible Baptist Church, we want people here in our pews that do not know anything or very little about the Word of God. Why? Not to be able to uh, put them down, uh, lest you forget there was a time in your life where you knew nothing about the Bible as well, and neither did I. But that lets us know that people are coming and they're 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 searching and they're they're looking and they they want to find out what this is all about. I want non-Christians in the church. I don't want them to stay that way. I want them to come to know Christ, and we've had you know, I look out on the auditorium and I see people who just came, come, have come to Christ and I think about the Trivers and man, it's just awesome to be able to see that their family has come to Christ. I think about Lou just came to Christ and it's uh, just, just a wonderful thing and seeing people come to Christ, that, that's a wonderful thing and they're growing in their faith and by the way, I don't care how long you've been a Christian, you're always growing in your faith. I'm growing in my faith. I'm growing in my knowledge of the Word of God. So whether you know nothing or whether you know a little bit about the Word of God, we're glad that you're here. The simple fact of the matter is, in Genesis, is it tells us that God told Abraham to leave everything that he ever knew. That's just, it's all summed up like that, okay? But the big catch in it was God said, I'm not gonna tell you where I'm sending you. Now men, could you imagine going home to your wife and saying, first of all, I want you to leave your mama I think that's a wonderful thing, men, to say. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a great me- uh, mother in law. She lives in Georgia. He's God from whom <laughs> <him> all blessings. <by laughs> <him. laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine going to your wife saying, honey, I want you to leave your mama. I want you to pack up everything. We're moving. Or well, we're moving to. I don't know. Now, look, mama told me you were stupid. (laughs) And I have defended you for all these years, dear. But I'm starting to believe her. (laughs) What do you mean you don't know? God just told me to, to go. Well, where did he tell you to go? He told me to pick up and leave. You know what Abraham did? His wife, his family. That was the first test. They picked up and left. That was the test of the land. Then then there was the test of Lot, and that's in Genesis chapter 12. Lot was his nephew, and that was a family relationship. And uh, Abraham actually took Lot when when he left in Genesis chapter 12, and there was a close-knit relationship between the two of them. And then God tested him with Lot, the relationship test, where God said, I want you to leave Lot. Then in Genesis chapter 14, there was the test of Luke. So we had to test a lot. We had to test, of, uh, test the land, test the lot, and test the loot. That was the money test. When Abraham had conquered these other nations that had actually taken Lot captive, and he brought Lot back, and these nations wanted to pay Abraham, give him this money, and Abraham said, look, I'm not taking any of your money lest you say that you made me rich instead of God making me rich. So God was preparing Abraham for this test, and God was using this so that he was ready for the greater test. And God also gives us a time of preparation in our own lives. Take a look at 1 Corinthians, if you will, please, chapter 10. You must understand what you're going through right now is a time of preparation. Preparation. Though it's a test, it's time of preparation. Why? Because life is filled with tests. What is the purpose? To have a greater faith in God and to be conformed to the, to the image of his son. Take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able to, but with the temptation, also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. But God is faithful. You know what the wonderful thing is? That during the preparation of tests, test, and even the preparation of tests test, it may be a test itself, you're not going through the test by yourself. Uh, only if you want to. It says, but God is Faithful. He's going to bring you through. See, the reason that many Christians don't pass the test is because they stiff-arm God. I can't believe you're doing this to me. Last time I checked, I can't believe that we nailed him to a cross. Last time I checked, I can't believe that he took all my sin. Last time I checked, I can't believe that he put that crown of thorns upon his brow. Last time I checked, I can't believe that he took that cat of nine tails over and over and over again for me. Last time I checked, I can't believe that he took somebody spitting in his face and ripping off his beard. Last time I checked, I I can't believe that the Son of God would have gone through the mocking and the cursing and, and the blasphemy and the making fun and the ridicule hanging on the cross. I can't believe that. Like a hardened criminal, the spotless lamb of God did that for me. Last time I checked, I can't believe that he did that. See, it's not that God has done this to you, it's God is doing this for you. It's on how you look at it. What is 1 Peter 1, 7? That the trial of your faith, 1 Peter 1, 7, being much more precious than of gold, that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, fire burns, fire's hot, fire can be uncomfortable though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Listen, my friend, don't think that your testing is just for now because at one day when the, the Lord Jesus Christ breaks through the eastern sky, the appearing of him, your testing and you making it through that test is gonna be for his praise, for his glory at his appearing and you're gonna be glad that you went through the test. But not only is there the preparation for the test, there's the presentation for the test and it came to pass after these things, take a look at Genesis chapter 22 again, not only the preparation for the test, but the presentation for the test. Genesis 22:1. one, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham, and he said unto him, Abraham, and he said, behold, here I am. The presentation for the test. Behold, here I am. That word behold is interesting, you know what it means? It means to see. You know what he's saying? He's saying, hey, hey, God, see, see, hey, hey. It's like, almost like a little kid. I get this picture in my mind. He's saying, hey, hey, God, here, here I am. Right here, look, look, look at me. He's saying, see, God, I, I'm here. I, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. What I find interesting is Abraham didn't know the rest of the story like we do. God called, he didn't even know he was getting ready to go through a test. God called on to Abraham, and all Abraham said was, Lord, here, here I am. I, I, I'm ready to go. What, what do you need me to do, Lord? What, what, what would you uh, uh, care to do with my life, and uh, how, how would you like to direct me? What do you want, Lord? What do you want, Lord? You know what this is? This is a readiness. If you are ever going to be able to present yourself for the test, there's gotta be a readiness in your heart. Listen, there can only be that behold, here I am attitude if you trust the one who is calling you. And this is a really simple illustration But uh, I don't think we have any little kids. If I had a little kid in here, I could say, I want you to stand up there on the top of that platform. I want you to stand right on the edge, and I want you to jump to me. Now, if it's not my child, which I don't have any little kids anymore, the child would probably look, they'd be looking for their mom and dad, wouldn't they? They'd be like, hey, they would be looking for their mom and dad to say, is it, is it okay? Can, 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 can I do this? But if it's your child, and you say, hey, Come on. And then sometimes, you ever had this? You're standing at the bottom of the steps, your kids are at the top of the steps, and they just go, whoo, and you're like, whoa, you know? <laughs> it's almost a readiness. It's this attitude of readiness because he trusted the Lord. Why? Because he'd been prepared. See, you can present yourself to the Lord to be able to say, Lord, here, here, Here am I. But you know what I find with most Christians? Because we haven't learned to be able to trust the Lord in the preparation process that we'll say, "Uh, okay, Lord, I'm here, but I've got a caveat. Lord, I'm here, P.S. Lord, I... See, if you're gonna pass the test, there needs to be a presentation. And what time, many times, what... Christians look at it when they they come to the difficulties of their life, they look at it in the wrong way and they never seem to get the victory because they don't recognize the voice of God. They actually see the difficulty as, man, that's bad luck or bad karma or or mistreatment or whatever. And instead, the circumstances that you may find yourself, now listen, listen to me, friends, listen. Even if you put yourself in those circumstances, even if they are sinful circumstances, God can use that if you just surrender your life back to God. God can use that, turn it around for your good and his glory can help you say, well, pastor, you don't know me. I'm, I'm really not a God-fearing person. I, I don't hate God, but, but man, I've messed up my life, and I'm, I'm in a bunch of bad circumstances. Listen, you turn your life over to the Lord Jesus Christ today, and immediately all your sins are forgiven, and you are cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. You've got a relationship with God the Father. And listen, he can take that messed up circumstance, he can take all those broken pieces, and he can put them back together again and make it something beautiful for your good and his glory. You say, how do you know that? Because the Bible says, the Bible, the Bible says, not a Baptist preacher, the Bible says that all things work together for good to them that love him, to them who are called according to his purpose. See, instead of seeing the circumstances in your life as a difficulty, as bad luck, Present yourself to the Lord and say, Lord, and if you've messed up, you've sinned, Lord, I've sinned. And I've blown it before you. But I'm coming back to you. And I'm presenting myself to you. If, if you would just do something to be able to help, help me once again. Lord, help me to get through this. Guess what? He will. But listen to me. I don't want to preach the rest of my message because I've got to preach that tonight. But I'm just going to give you a little tip. Even if God doesn't relieve the circumstances in your life, if you've got Jesus, you've got everything that you need. He may not change those circumstances, but he will give you the grace to get through. You say, how do you know that? February 28th. Two years and two months ago, on a Sunday night, I preached my last message here for almost seven months. I didn't even show up to church. And the only reason that I am here today, the only reason that I am here today is because of his grace. That's it. Has he changed your circumstances? Not completely, no you want out of your circumstances? Yes, I do. I do. I'm a human being. None of us like to be put underneath, you know, oh man, that's, oh, it hurts. It's difficult. But if you know the Lord's walking with you through the fiery furnace, if you know the one who raised himself from the dead, and he'll get you through the test. If you're ever going to pass the test, you've got to show up. But this morning, to pass the test, I got point one, we're done. To pass the test, you've got to expect it. Let me ask you, have you been caught off guard? Man, where'd this come from? Kind of got blindsided. You say, I thought this was about Jesus is better. How does this tie into Jesus is better? Oh, I'll just give you one thing. Jesus is better than Abraham because Jesus passed every test. Abraham didn't. You say, what do you mean? Abraham tried to usurp God's test with that special son there. His name was Ishmael, was not the promised son. It was a test that God gave to Abraham, and he failed it, but thank God for grace. Thank God for grace. And though you may fail a test or two in your life, you might lose a couple battles, but if you follow Jesus Christ, the captain of your soul, you'll win the war. You'll win the war say, Pastor, I have been blindsided. Been looking at my test the wrong way. Welcome to the club. It happens to us all. Look, let me tell you something, folks. When I preach, I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching with you. I'm preaching to me. You just happen to be here. I'm glad you're here. We've got to pay the bills. <laughs> you say, Pastor, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart in some way. If you don't know Jesus this morning, I can't force you to walk this aisle. I didn't ask you if you've been confirmed. I didn't ask you if you've been baptized. I didn't ask if you were a deacon, a Sunday school teacher. I didn't even ask you if you were a pastor. I asked if you've never been born again. We'd like you to walk this aisle in just a few moments and come to know Jesus. That is the greatest thing that you could ever do. See, that's, that test right there is a life and death test. Satan's telling you, don't do it. What are people going to think? Let me tell you, these people in here will get happy. Yes. We'll be praising the Lord. Say, what if somebody's looking? What if, uh, you know what? Don't you worry about that because uh, uh, when it comes to eternity, you'll be thankful and you won't even be worried about what some, somebody's looking or not. We ask everybody to close their eyes. I have my eyes open, but we ask everybody to close their eyes. We just want to share with you the love of Christ. The only difference between me and you, folks, and the only difference between a lot of us in here and you if you don't know Christ is that we are imperfect people, we have our faults, but we placed our faith in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We realize that we can't get out of our sin on our own. It's an impossibility. We want you to come to him. That's your test today. If you're a Christian and you're going through it, why don't you come spend some time in prayer and say, God, just help me to expect these tests a little bit more. Help me to just trust you.